normally do. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome out there uh, in Radio Land uh, on this 29th day of April 2014. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and uh, stretcher technician. Uh, he's down there in Arkansas where they got all that uh, uh, tornado activity and uh, it moved off to the east there and they're catching it east of Arkansas. So uh, if you're out there listening, you're in that tornado whether you be real careful, keep your eye back, and and uh, be prepared to take shelter. Uh, that's for sure. And tornadoes will eat your lunch. Uh, uh, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Gerald. How are you all doing today? Well, I'm doing all, well, I'm doing all right. Yeah, we're being weather-wise today, watching up the blue skies for the term black. Yeah, it's, uh, them weather, yeah, we got some dark clouds here, too, so we must have another front coming through Missouri here. But anyway, uh, what are you hearing about that bunch out there in Arizona? I've heard all kinds of things. Uh, the uh, the people who work for the VA says, oh, no, no, this is true. But uh, for some reason, I don't want to believe them. Do you, John? You mean, well, you're talking about the, you're talking about the patients that died waiting on appointments? Yeah. Sean Hannity on Fox News actually is... Uh, on top of that issue, he had a big story this morning about it. And, uh, oh, did he? Yeah, yeah he they interviewed did. a bunch of the families and things like that. Of course, now you know the uh, uh, the power to be or the accused, as we can say, is uh, they're they're well known because they all practice under Fred Astaire, and he was the best tap dancer of all time. Yeah, that's so, for sure. Uh, they're going to try to tap dance around this and put up deflector shields. But I don't think this one's going to, I think the ammunition fired at them is going to be uh, strong enough to go through the deflector shields. I hope a bunch of them actually lose their job, and I hope some go to jail. Uh, yeah, uh, prison time, it, it, it actually it's way past prison time for some of these jokers. Uh, and, and, you know, another thing here that's going to help bring us all to a head and maybe get something accomplished uh, beneficial is the fact that we have all these uh, 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 Middle East veterans coming home now and uh, they're getting a taste of what's going on and and of course, it it don't take long for the word to get out. Uh, you do somebody wrong, and the word gets out rather quickly. Uh, where before, it, it didn't. Uh, but who wants to come back and someone tell them it takes six months to get an appointment? Now that that's out of sight. 
And then some of these veterans have been going to the VA, and then all of a sudden their appointments get shoved off way into, you know, six, seven, eight months down the road. That's uncalled for. Uh, like that one lady on the news there this morning was saying her, uh, I think it was her uh, uh, dad or, or father-in-law, he he died of stage four cancer, waiting on an appointment to get into the VA. Now they bound to know when he had cancer at stage one. Surely, they was doing blood work. Gerald, don't you know the whole story between that that guy? Well, there's... the guy went to the VA ER. The VA ER treated him, and they made a notation on his record. Must be seen by primary care and urology immediately. And guess what? Didn't happen. Did not happen. Oh, man. So, that's, uh, uh, it's uh, upsetting uh, for, you know, I mean, well, you know, here we are, we're young people. You know, we're young kids. Uh, we get out of school and uh, we got to make a decision what to do with our life. And uh, so the recruiter comes in and talks to us and fills us a bunch of, you know, a bunch of information, things like that, you know, makes things look good in their favor. We go to the military. Well, as you're going in, they said, now, we're going to take care of you, you know, as long as you play ball with us and do what we tell you to do. And if you have any issues that happen to you while you're in service, we're going to take care of you. That's the contract they made with us, the veteran. They didn't make a contract saying that we might take care of you, you know. And if the push comes to shove, we will, we will supply the knife and stab you in the back. That's what's happening. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a horrible crime, and, and it's been going on way too long. This is not new. Right. People think this is something new. I'm here to tell you, this is a, a, not a new issue. Yeah, no, none of this stuff's new. All of a sudden, they, uh, they got caught, uh, 40 veterans. They said, oh, my God, I don't know how in the world that number got put into one one group, but mm-hmm. it did. Otherwise, yeah. they would say, well, we lost one today and one over here. And and uh, it, it's not like what you you think it is. Well, that's a story that they're they're trying to come out with, but it's not going to do any good because we have too many people in in the right places now that's willing to push the issue. And if uh, I was Jayco, the Joint Committee Health Organization, I'd have been there. Well, uh, I mean, tell you, they they've got, and if they get to looking at at some of these other institutions, uh, VA institutions, uh, you cannot come to a a satisfactory uh, uh, conclusion. I mean, you know, they're they're going to say, "Hey, what is mm-hmm. this? You misdiagnose. Check the misdiagnosis, the undiagnosis, mm-hmm. the untreated." I mean, mm-hmm. the list the list can be quite extensive, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it jumps up and slaps them in the face. Well, 
somebody's going to have to say, wait a minute, this just didn't start. I know a young man went to the local VA years ago. He went to ER four or five times and had real bad breathing problems. His heart was racing like crazy. He was a little bit overweight, you know. He was a little bit obese. and Every time he'd go in, the ER doctor would look at him and they'd say, okay, buddy, you're fat and you're going to die. That's your problem. That's what they kept telling the guy. Yeah. Well, the last time he went in, some uh, he took somebody with him that knew the VA, and uh, they demanded that uh, at least give the guy a chest X-ray, see what's wrong with him. Well, after that chest X-ray came back, so they started hopping around like a bunch of popcorn in the, in, coming out of the pot. Yeah. So with all the, you know. It's, it's they're blowing up. They're blowing us off, man. Well, what, what upsets me about the whole thing is the fact that Congress and the news media is going to these people and they're stonewalling the news media. I posted a a post on Had It that shows all of the times that the news media has tried to ask questions about these different deaths and different stalls and. The VA just shoves it under the carpet. They just get away with uh, somehow uh, avoiding any kind of uh, letting any information get out to the public. Yeah, they're hiding. They're hiding behind HIPAA. Yeah. And legally, they can do it. They can hide behind it until they get to court. There's got to be court. There's got to be the courts to get straightened up, people. Well, let's yep. hope they get it resolved. At least start taking some kind of corrective action. And uh, um, I read it cost the VA two hundred million dollars for claims from people filing uh, wrongful death suits against the VA. Two hundred million bucks the VA has put out for those claims. Two hundred million. Yep. I got a feeling that that third is going to increase by substantially over the next six months, well, especially with the coming around the pack. I really do too. Yeah. So. But they're still going to have their parties down in Florida and spend millions on uh, pens and pencils and stuff like that. Wow. And yeah. Well, Congress, they seem to pull the wool right over Congress's eyes, both the Senate and the House. They seem to pull the wool over their eyes, and they listen to Mr. Murphy. Mr. Murphy double-talks him. I listened to the last congressional hearing, and uh, one senator, I think it was Senator Cook, spent five minutes on telling Mr. Murphy to stop double-talking, stop using acronyms in different ways to throw them off. They wanted to know the truth about it. He spent five minutes censuring Mr. Murphy, and Mr. Murphy is a spokesman for the VA, and he seems to be a pretty slick character. But he's getting uh, called on it. We have a, a uh, caller in there, a 301 number. Is that Paul? Paul? Hello. Oh. You see it, Stretch? Yeah, I see it. He's coming on now. Is that Paul? Hello. Yeah. 
now. Hello? There you are. Hello. We got you now, Paul. Okay. Oh. I lost his body over a He's back in there now. How you doing, Paul? This is Fred. I'm doing great. Well, right. we had to start. Uh, we got you. We got it off and rolling for you. Have you got anything to get us fired up today? Oh, you want to get me fired up? <laughs> oh, Lord. I was in a VA meeting that went a little bit long, and they brought in a public relations person to talk to the veterans group that were meeting at VA Central Office in Washington, D.C., about all of the veteran deaths in Phoenix. Oh. And I've been listening to your show for about the last five, ten minutes while you guys have been talking about the $200 million that VA had to pay and wrongful death lawsuits. So you hit one of my talking points. But let me ask you this. You guys remember a long time ago? Oh, this is Paul Sullivan, Bergman, and Moore. How you all doing? This is Stretch and Gerald. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. Hello, Paul. That was my job. I've fallen down on my job. Oh, he's going now. We're all right. <laughs> well, at the meeting, at the meeting at VA headquarters, here's what the VA public relations guy told the heads of the veterans groups. He said that because of the CNM broadcast, veterans are not going to VA for care. Boy, hello. I got Joe Moore just came in to hand me a cookie, said I'm doing a great job. He loves everybody and had it. Well, tell Joe Moore we appreciate what he does. Well, he 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 just came in and made sure to, that I had to tell everybody that he did not say I was doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but he did give me the cookie. <laughs> yeah, well, that's something. You got a cookie. <clears throat> so, anyway, where was I? Here's what this VA public affairs official said, and this is really serious. Vets are not going to VA for care. And then he said, because of CNN, quote, Veterans are not seeking care from VA that they earned, close quote. You know what? That's VA using scare tactics. It's wrong. It's, it's, just, it's just so wrong I was offended. So I spoke up in the meeting and I said, did you know that um, when Veterans for Common Sense sued VA, VA told reporters, that Veterans for Common Sense would be scaring away veterans. And did you know that's not what happened? Because of the VCS lawsuit, more veterans came to VA for care because the lawsuit reminded veterans that they're eligible for VA care and VA benefits. And this public relations guy kind of stood up there and was kind of like hemming and hawing. And then I looked at him and I said, you know, do you have any studies that show that because of CNN, some veteran called up VA and said, I saw that veterans were dying at the hospital and, and CNN reported this, so because of CNN, I'm not going to go see a doctor? Did, did any veteran ever say that? And he said, no, 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 no veteran ever said that. I said, okay, then you're going to take back what you said, right? <laughs> then he walked it all back, Okay. But you see, you're right, you guys, Gerald, Stretch, and whomever else is online. Um, You know what? VA is just delay, deny, 
and wait until we die. And uh, um, T-Bird, she asked me to talk about a couple of things. She asked me to talk about uh, Gulf War illness, and then she wanted me to talk about two bills, H.R. 4261 and H.R. 4031. You guys want me to talk about those three things? Well, yeah, let's get them. Yeah, we can talk about them. Well, here's the here's the good news for Gulf War vets. The good news is that the Research Advisory Committee, created by Congress in 1998 and formally put together by VA after four years of delay in 2002, they issued another report yesterday, and the Research Advisory Committee on Gulf War Illness, a congressionally chartered advisory panel, now confirms that Gulf War Illness is real. They issued a similar report in 2008, and this new report even adds more urgency that VA launch more treatment in the chemical exposures and VA launch more treatment into, uh, uh, excuse me, more research into treatments so that veterans can get better. So that's the good news on Gulf War Vets. Uh, so now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say more research. Uh, are they admitting that, uh, uh, well, you mentioned that they did say that the Gulf War element was real. And real in what regards uh, to the chemical exposure Yes. VA is now saying that the Gulf War illness is real and it's physical, that it's related to the toxic exposures, and that the illnesses are not psychological. Okay. However... Now, here's the bad news. Do they mention the chemical agents that they're going to classify in this group of chemicals? So far, they've only listed pesticides and low levels of chemical warfare agents. Right now, however, there's the bad news, and I see where you're going with this, Gerald. VA isn't doing the research. Remember, this is a VA research advisory panel that issued a report. It wasn't VA that issued the report. And the problem is still VA. VA still isn't doing research into, you're exactly right, Chemical warfare agents, depleted uranium, the oil well, the oil fire, well pollution, fire pollution, and lots more. Yeah, see, that was what I was trying to... Yeah, you're right. I, I was headed down that road. I want some names because if you, go to, if, you, if you used to go to the VA and say, look, I was in the Gulf War, I was exposed to... Uh, X, Y, Z agent, and they'll say, look, we don't know if that agent caused anything. We do know that there was some, there are some issues with some chemical agents, but we haven't nailed them down yet, so we're going to do some more research, and you're going to waste another five, ten years. Uh, <coughs> is, is this study that They've done, uh, Paul. Uh, do you think it, it, uh, 
accomplish, uh, established anything in particular other than the fact go for... Well, it also established that VA is not doing what VA is supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah. VA is not providing research for treatments. VA is not providing research to find out about the illnesses. And VA is most definitely not providing disability benefits to go for veterans. You want to hear the really bad news? Oh, God. Okay. Now, I'm going to walk you through three different events, okay? Event number one <clears throat> involves... Allison Hickey, she's the Undersecretary for Benefits. I've met her. She's actually a nice person. Uh-huh. The second issue also involves Allison Hickey. And the third involves VBA. And Allison Hickey is the head of the Veterans Benefits Administration. Okay? So let's talk about the first thing. The first thing is that in December of 2013, just about five months ago, Mm-hmm. Undersecretary for Benefits Hickey testified in front of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee that she believes that VBA will meet the president's <coughs> promise and eliminate the claim backlog during the year 2015. She added a caveat, and her caveat was that she, Allison Hickey, would only be able to meet the president, that's Barack Obama, meet his goal of ending the claim backlog if there were no new presumptive conditions for disability benefits. Okay? Now, that's the first thing. Okay? Now, i got to tie these together. Here's the second thing. Allison Hickey, apparently in the last month or two, according to Army Times, met privately with the Institute of Medicine, and those are the scientific referees that uh, look at scientific issues and conclude that they're real. For example, the IOM, which is part of the National Academy of Sciences, they concluded that Agent Orange is very toxic. It causes prostate cancer, heart problems, diabetes, and a long list of other medical problems. So the IOM has a history of looking into illnesses among veterans. Well, Allison Hickey, as the Undersecretary of Benefits, did two things that were absolutely outrageous, and veterans are mad, madder than hornets. The first thing that Allison Hickey did was that she met with the Institute of Medicine. There is no reason why a benefits person needs to be in a room with scientists at the IOM. That on its face is terribly wrong. You shouldn't have the executive branch of government meeting with scientists. And then here's the second thing that she did. Is everybody holding on to the desk? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You ready for this really big boot? That one was steel big enough. <laughs> it's going to fall a long way and make a big crater when this other shoe falls. Allison Hickey asked the Institute of Medicine not to call Gulf War illness Gulf War illness because VA would then have to pay the disability benefit claims. Oh my land. Shame, shame, shame. And this all came out in Army Times. I can send you the link and stuff. It's just scandalous. Scandal, now. scandal, terrible. You want to talk about waiting for an army to die. 
Now, you ready for the third thing that I'm going to tie all this together? Oh, go ahead. Okay. Now, did you know that about one million Iraq and Afghanistan war veterans have filed claims? Okay. Out of all those veterans, what percent do you think have been granted at least one disability by the BA? Go ahead, each of you answer. I would say 2%. That have been granted. claims, maybe 10. Remember, there's been a million claims. How many do you think were granted? Oh. Or what percentage do you think were approved for at least one condition? There's not going to be very many. Four. Four uh, percent? So I'm saying no. four. It's 99%. What? what? 99% have been granted for at least one condition. It's either 98 or 99%, but it's really, really high. Remember, what's the per- that what, condition what's the should have been zero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, right. they gave them cookies, Paul. Right, 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 right. Now, among Gulf War veterans who filed Gulf War illness claim, now, you guys, what percentage of those veterans do you think got granted for Gulf War illness claims? Less than a third. I'll say less than 10. Okay, we got 10%. We got 33%. Have I got any bidding higher, going lower, lower, higher, higher, lower? What do I got, guys? There's only two of you on the line? Mm-hmm. I can't even believe she uh, she uh, told the IOM to shut up. That's typical. Oh, you're still VA. not over that yet. Okay. Yeah, I am. Well, VA denied 80% of the Gulf War veterans' claims for Gulf War illness. 80% denial. That means they only approved 20%. You guys were really close. Yeah. Well, that's the way it is. I mean, Gulf War illness, you know, it's that, that's how they do it. Exposure you know. issues. They're going to start filing direct service connection for something, I guess, in order to get, you know, as far as that, because there's no presumptives, right? There are some presumptives for Gulf War veterans. Irritable bowel, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, chronic multi-symptom, ALS, um, a bunch of diseases like Q fever and a couple other things. Um, but here's the bottom line out of all of this. First, VA says that it has to meet the president's promise by 2015, and the only way it could do it is no presumptives. Then the second thing that happens is that VA meets with the IOM and says, don't call it go for illness because we don't want to have to deal with any more presumptives. And then we find out that only 20% of the go for illness claims have been approved. So what does it all boil down to? We now have several pieces of evidence that show, without a doubt, that the president is more interested in ending the claim backlog than he is in actually making sure that veterans get care and benefits. That's the bottom line. For, for VA right now, it's just a number. Make the claim backlog disappear. Well, let's the- hope this comes out in these, these uh, new investigations that's going to come on through that uh, Phoenix uh, catastrophe. Uh, hopefully, this will surface. 
If it don't surface, we're not going to be able to get something done. So everyone needs to contact their legislators or congressmen and senators and say, hey, open your eyes. We need some help out here. No, I know why he's doing it. I know exactly what's going on. VA is going to have a press conference sometime next year in 2015. And the president's going to be there, and the VA secretary's going to be there, and Allison Hickey's going to be there. And they're going to say, the claim backlog is gone. But you know what's really going to happen? A bunch of veterans in Phoenix are going to be dead. A bunch of Gulf War veterans are going to be dead. A bunch of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans with burn pit illnesses, they're going to be dead. There's going to be, right now there's about 300,000 appeals. That's probably going to get worse. And they wait an average of four years. Do you know there's 400,000 award adjustments sitting at VA, like to add a spouse or a child as a dependent on a claim? Mm-hmm. And that can increase a veteran's benefit up to four or $5,000 a year, especially if those kids are in college and the veteran's rated 100%. VA right now has, they haven't completely stopped, but VA has mostly stopped processing dependent claims. And you know what? All of that, All of what VA is doing is collateral damage in order for the president to meet his claim that he would end the backlog by 2015. Everything has to do with meeting the president's promise of no claims more than four months old that are new uh, sitting at VA. And you know what? How much collateral damage does there have to be? Children? dead veterans in Phoenix, dead Gulf War veterans, hundreds of thousands of appeals, what's it going to be? Well, it's going to destroy the uh, veteran family unit. It, it's, uh, it's horrible. It's a disaster. And, and uh, first of all, I don't think he has a, a chance to eliminate the or uh, do away with the backlog. The way the system is structured... The backlog is is self feeding. It feeds yep. itself. Yep, Gerald. The writing's on the wall because they're already changing and and uh, they're they're already putting in the Federal Register things to change things in their favor and things like that and well, knock the veteran out of it. So it, it's in process right now, isn't it, Paul? They're, That's they're, right. Uh, taking care of the newer veterans and the hell with the they're shoving the older veterans back on the back burner, hoping that. Uh, 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 percentage of those are going to die, which they know is going to happen, instead of taking care of them. And this way, uh, they'll they'll mess with the newer veterans after they get the the old ones left off here in the garbage dump or wherever they're planning to send them. But well, uh, you know that twenty thousand veterans die waiting on their claim every year, Gerald. Oh yes, it's shameful. And, you know, I think, was it, was it you that was uh, talking about VA's new regulations? That, that VA, you know, in October, knowing that VA couldn't meet the goal set by the president, the VA proposed several harmful new regulations that block initial claims and veterans' claim appeals. See, what VA wanted to do was say, oh, we're going to improve efficiency and we're going to improve efficiency by mandating that veterans must use new VA forms. 
Okay, and you've heard about me. You've heard me talk about this before. I called it the Trojan horse, right? Yes. Well, these these regulations, Gerald, stretch everybody. These regulations affect how veterans' claims are filed and how a veteran appeals a denial. All right. Currently, veterans can notify via letter that they have a claim, and then that's called an informal claim. Right, the veteran says, my knee hurts, and he sends a letter to VA. And that's supposed to set what's called the effective date for the start of payments for benefits, once the veteran, of course, completes their claim. And that might be six months or a year later, sends in all the evidence and the VA form. Well, what VA wants to do is eliminate informal claims, and that means that VA will eliminate 600,000 claims per year. VA is going to turn off that pipeline that you're talking about, that fire hose that keeps filling up VA with claims. They're going to do it by preventing veterans from filing informal claims. You think they're going to require DBQs on, on most veterans or fully developed claims? Yes, I do. I do now. Yes, I do. That's what VA wants it to do. VA says, oh, go with the fully developed claim, and it's faster. In other words, VA shifts the burden of gathering evidence and filling out forms to the veteran instead of VA doing their job. Why is VA doing that? Because VA doesn't have enough trained employees to process the claims they got. That's true. But the veteran's not privy to a lot of that information. That's and right. And veteran, and and second, uh, the veteran uh, is not aware of some of the information that's required. That's what the congressmen say. I mean, uh, what's poor veteran to do? Say, oh, I I got this uh, this bad leg here. I, I've had it ever since. I fell in this hole and a truck ran over me or something, you know, in the service. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and they're going to say, where's your proof? <laughs> so, that's, that's right. Uh, well, boy, here's the other thing the VA is going to do. VA's second proposed <laughs> rule change establishes roadblocks to claim appeals with more forms and more red tape. Here's what VA wants to do. Right now, if a veteran disagrees with a VA rating decision on a benefits claim, the veteran simply sends in a letter that says, I disagree. That's the appeal process. That's the way it starts. That's the way it should be in a veteran-friendly world, the way Congress set it up. Well, now here's what VA wants to do. The, veter- the VA, the Department of Veterans Affairs, wants to mandate that veterans file a complex four-page legal proceeding to start the claim appeal process before the veteran can even hire an attorney. You see, that's wrong. The court has said over and over again that VA can't establish rules that require legal sophistication 
beyond that that can be expected from a lay claimant. And here's VA <coughs> mandating that veterans who want to appeal tell VA why VA is wrong, what the rating percentage should be, what the effective date should be. Essentially, VA is telling the veteran, oh, go ahead and rate your claim for us because we're so incompetent. Non lands. Has, hasn't anyone challenged this? Well, the veterans groups sent in comments. All of the big veterans groups lined up opposing it, opposing it, opposing it, just saying it was terrible. You want to hear what the Veterans of Foreign Wars said in front of Congress? What's that? Well, uh, Gerald Menar, who's the Deputy Director of National Veterans Service at the VFW in Washington, D.C., he's a nice guy. He used to work at VA. He's an attorney. All right, full disclosure, I'm also a member of the Veterans of Foreign Wars, have been since I was in the Gulf War. Well, here's what Gerald Menar told Congress back in February. He said, quote, what you see here is a cold-blooded assessment by VA officials that if they cannot achieve their goals under the current standards, they will change the rules to meet their goals, close quote. Essentially, VA is going to change the regulation to make it harder for veterans to file claims and appeals. That is just so dastardly by VA. Am I fired up, guys? Well, that's what's going on. He wasn't lying to him. I don't know, short. <laughs> this is serious. And I don't know how in the world uh, poor veterans out here uh, unless all the veterans groups were to get together and say, hey, we're fixing to put a stop to this, and you ain't going to like the way it is. They'll have to be challenged in court. Oh, you're right. The veterans groups have quietly behind the scenes, without mentioning names, have said that the VA goes through and makes these proposals become final regulation then they'll probably sue. Nah, I'll, I'll pay money to help sue them. Well, they'll have to. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's a terrible shame that this has taken place, especially at a time when uh, veterans are in need of proper care, proper assistance, and trying to get, get get through this maze of the claims process, and uh, after you do that, then you got to worry about can I get an appointment at the VA in the next six, seven, eight months? Hopefully, yep. something serious is not wrong. It's delay, deny, and wait for us to die on claims. And then it's delayed, deny, and watches die on the VA appointments. And and let me tell you something about that meeting today among the veterans groups and VA officials in Washington. VA was trying to pretend that, 
well, the facts aren't in, and all this is new, and we're going to investigate it, and we'll get back to you. Have a nice day. And then I and a couple other veterans groups said, "Eh, not so fast. Because in 2005 and 2007, VA was caught doing the same thing with secret appointment lists. Okay? Yeah, true. And then here's what happened. VA sent out a directive in 2008 that said, there shall be only one list. Okay? And that's when the veteran applies for an appointment. And you put the veteran on that list. Okay? And now we have all this news that some hospitals, or maybe more, created secret pencil lists and secret electronic lists of veterans, thousands of veterans, waiting to see doctors. There's got to be some people end up in prison over this. Well, that's what somebody said at the meeting. Criminal criminal indictments are the way to go. I believe that the VA is so tied up in all these different lists that they don't even know what to say. They don't even know what's going on because they've lied so much they're believing their own lies and they're just lost. They've never had accountability, and that's what's wrong. Without accountability, it, it's... It comes to a situation like this. It's costing people their lives, and uh, they have—they better get some accountability established somewhere. Just because you work for the VA, don't mean you—you're not accountable. Well, did you know that at today's meeting, I attended two meetings of Gulf War veterans. Okay. One of the veterans was so bad, she said, it's time for Secretary Shinseki to resign. And this was a major who was a Gulf War veteran. And all the veterans just started clapping in the audience. Let me tell you something. That's, that's actually a big deal. But let's talk about accountability. He's a figurehead. Uh, chairman, sorry? He's a figurehead. He has no power whatsoever. He's just an appointee. You know, I know Bergman and Moore doesn't have an opinion on that. I'll stop there before I get in trouble. Um, well, but I will you go say right this. <laughs> you know, if the Secretary of Veterans Affairs ever listened to this phone call, he might get a dose of reality about what's going on among veterans. I, I, I just think that they, they got him in a bubble or something. No. I would give him an Indian, American Indian history lesson. Yeah. You know, the famous Indian sitting bull? Keep going. He had a first cousin named Shitting Bull, and that's the VA. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. All right, all right, all right. We'll stop before I'll get in trouble now. Well, Chairman Jeff Miller, the Republican congressman from Florida who heads up the Veterans Affairs Committee, he introduced the Chief Sitting Bull Bill. I'm sorry, H.R. <laughs> 4031, essentially, that bill would allow Shinseki, should he ever stand up, the ability to fire VA employees, mainly the executives, the generals, who run the VA hospitals and who run the VA regional offices. It would give Shinseki the chance to fire them for not providing timely care or benefits. But I tell you what. 
I agree, in my personal opinion, with H.R. 4031, and I think most everybody else would agree that if somebody's not doing their job, you've got to let them go. But here's, here's something I've got to add to that, okay? And I am in no way defending the VA over those veterans who died in Phoenix. I'm not. What they did was wrong. But we have to understand what caused that VA leader to allegedly create the secret wait list where veterans died. Well, I think two things did, maybe three. The first is Congress hasn't given VA enough money. And when there aren't enough doctors, then the veterans have to wait for appointments. Then you have to find a way to, like, cook the books. Okay? That's kind of sort of what happened. Now, uh, the Paul, second thing that happened, yeah? Let, let me interrupt you real quick. Okay, as a former employee of the VA, my spouse too, on scheduling situations and patients, no matter yeah. what location you're in, if you have overdone scheduling and you have a certain number of veterans that you cannot see, then you're authorized to provide them outside fee basis care. You're right. And you want to know something, though? And here's the second thing I was going to bring up. Did you know the director of the hospital has a financial incentive to not send veterans to fee basis? So that if a hospital director has veterans getting their appointments within two weeks, and if the hospital director does not use fee basis, then the hospital director gets a big, fat cash bonus. And that's what's been happening. These bonuses give these, let's make the numbers uh, the problem, instead of actually helping the veterans. It all becomes about making these numbers, making these numbers, um, like no spending money on fee basis and no veterans waiting more than two weeks for an appointment. So that's the, the second thing I was going to talk about is this, this bonus thing. And you nailed it right there with, with the fee basis. And here's the third thing. And I think we talked about this about maybe two years ago, first, got, first time you all had me on. Right now, for the House Veterans Affairs Committee, there are three Republicans and three Democrats who are staffers who provide oversight of the Veterans Benefits Administration. Okay? Then I believe that there's three Democrats and three Republicans that provide oversight for what are called uh, investigations of the VA. So what that means is there's six Democrats and six Republicans who are looking into problems among claims and then just general investigations of VA. And they're looking, these congressional staffers are looking at $165 billion of spending for 310,000 employees. You know what? That's not enough. And the third thing is there just isn't enough oversight by Congress or reporters or veterans groups of what's going on at VA. And this lack of oversight means these bonus things get all crazy. It means that Congress doesn't have enough money to make sure that there are enough doctors so that veterans don't wait for for medical care or for claims. Does that all make sense, guys? Yeah, it sure does. But when you talk about sea bases, that kind of gives them a clue that they're short-handed, so therefore they need to put on additional personnel. So I... 
I don't know. Uh, on the sea basis thing, that's the first thing would say, hey, here, look, we we can't do this. We can we can put on extra personnel and eliminate the sea bases. Right there is kind of a check and balance. And and why ain't they paying attention to it? If they don't have the funds uh, to put on additional doctors, chances are they don't have the funds for sea bases. So them those people are are coming up short too. That's right, and it all it all comes back to money. You know, that's really what it is. That's the strange um, thing about any time Congress asks these people, you know, do you need more more money, and they say no. All of them say no. We don't need any more money. So it's all set up somewhere. Uh, you want to know where it's set up? I know this because I've been through it. There's a government agency called the Office of Management and Budget, and it's part of the White House. Okay. Any time anyone is going to go testify in front of Congress, they are instructed. If the question from Congress is, do you need more money? Their response is supposed to be something like, VA is adequately resourced, or VA has enough money to do the job, or something like this, VA will answer, we have what we need. What we need. So in effect, so in there, effect is there is an executive. Oh, sorry guys, there's a feedback loop. Uh oh. You sound fine. Okay, I'm just hearing myself talk to myself, myself over again. But that's okay. This office, the Office of Management and Budget, essentially prevents senior VA officials who are testifying before Congress from telling the truth. So if you want to really blame the bad guy, you have to blame the President of the United States because it's his directive to the Office of Management and Budget that tells VA employees testifying before Congress that they must say that everything is fine. And if you won't say that, if you won't toe the line, basically VA won't let you testify. Well, okay, there's part of your problem. So it's a yep. lack of integrity of the VA employees to tell the truth. This has been going on ever since Nicholson. I saw Nicholson get up in front of him and say, no, we don't need no more money. I heard him say that four or five times. You're right. So it's and a then VA almost shut down because of him. VA needed a $3 billion emergency supplemental appropriation in 2005, and it was all because of the Iraq and Afghanistan war veterans flooding in from the war. This one thing that upsets me about the DAV, they say, DAV says, we have a personal re relationship with the BVA, and we cut some of these claims off at the past. And then they say... Uh, they go on to uh, say that, uh, well, you know, we want to do what's best for the veteran and the VA. You know, these congressmen keep asking these people, like Mr. Murphy says, we want to do what's best for the veteran. But he always adds, and the VA. And uh, it's like, uh, to heck with the veteran. Yeah, they totally forgot about... Uh, VA Administrator uh, General Omar Bradley, who said, you know, this is about veterans and their problems. 
It's not about VA and VA's problems. Uh, seriously, you know, um, you know, I, I I wish I wish that top VA officials would spend a couple of days or weeks knowing what it's like to be a homeless vet, what it's like to be a veteran with PTSD trying to go in and get care from VA and being turned away, or to be one of those veterans in Phoenix waiting years, maybe you didn't have to die, waiting years to get an appointment. You know, uh, I don't think the VA officials know what that's like. Now, some of them, as veterans, may know what it's like to be a veteran, and that's good. But how many of them actually use VA care? How many of them have been through VA for a complicated claim like PTSD, TBI, Agent Orange, you know, or traumatic brain injury? Almost none of them. Say they actually don't even know about the system that they work with. They don't even hang out with folks like, you know, us right here on this show. They don't. They don't know what's going on. They don't look at rating decisions. They don't look at hospital notes. They don't. They're so misinformed that they they cannot make a a logical decision about anything because they don't take the time to uh, do the research themselves. Now they have staff members that can look into different things and report back to them, and they should utilize them. All they have to do is go to a website like Hadit Hadit dot com. Uh, you're getting a straight. Uh, you read through uh, uh, you, uh, some of them posts, and and you'll get after a few days, you'll get a general idea of the severity of the issues here, uh, the claims issues, the health care issues, um, and that it's been going on for a long time. That's all they have to do is a little bit of research on their own. You know, you're right, but I've sat in meetings, guys. I agree with you 100%. You're right. I wish they would just sit in meetings and see what's going on. And you know, Shinseki did a little bit of that when he became secretary, but he stopped doing it. Um, But here's what VA says, and you guys know that I used to work at VA, right? Yeah. And you know, I used to sit in with meetings that included the Undersecretary of Benefits, right? Yes. And you know a lot of times that they said some very disparaging things about veterans, right? That's true. Well, one of the things that they would say is, you know what? These veteran self-help websites, as differentiated from the big veterans groups, they'll have lists of things on what VA asks in a C&P PTSD exam, and then what the veteran should say to get the highest rating. And then those VA employees turn around and say, well, look, those veterans are just trying to steal money. They actually think at VA, a lot of them truly think that veterans file claims that are bogus. And we have to address that. We really do. And um, you guys seen a website called... uh, DisabledVeterans.org? I don't believe I have. Well, there was a posting that went up there yesterday, and it said, I'll send it to you guys, and it said something to the effect that 99.4% of the PTSD claims that the Army reviewed 
were actually completely accurate. The veteran didn't fake the PTSD, and the veteran didn't fake the severity of the PTSD. That means, and they they looked at 2,000 veterans. That means out of 2,000 veterans, they found 0.6% made up something on their claim. Now, the the fraud rate among veterans uh, filing claims is almost zero. It's it's almost nil. You're right. Uh, Linda Bilmus, we had her on the show once, and as far as I know, she has come up with the easiest, most simplest solution. She stated that if VA handled the claims like an insurance company handles their claims, we wouldn't, at the end of 90 days, we wouldn't have a backlog. Uh, maybe a little bit longer, uh, being they have such a backlog. But she said there's no claim that shouldn't be resolved within a 30 to 60 day period. You're right. I was sitting right with her when she testified about that. Um, and I supported her proposal. And uh, Congress wouldn't even introduce a bill to do that. Isn't that something? That that told me right there. Now, how serious is Congress? uh, How serious are they into resolving this issue? To me, that seemed like a pretty simple uh, report. I mean, resolve right there. Uh, how much simpler can you make it? And also, she m- did mention, yeah, you can spot check back and forth. Uh, spot check like uh, uh, the RS. They don't audit everybody, but they go through and spot check them. Uh, the BA should be able to do the same thing. I agree. You got it. Absolutely. And you know, but VA doesn't want to do it. Do you want to know why? And I'll tell you right up front. Because okay? it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's because if VA approved the 1.3 million claims pending at VA, suddenly there would be a lot more money that has to get paid out. You and I recognize that, right, guys? Well, absolutely. But then there would also be a flood of new patients. And VA can't handle those either. I don't know about that. I think it would be a lot of unemployed VA uh, scoundrels uh, that should be standing in the unemployment line. Maybe it'll change their attitude a while. Mr. Murphy puts it like this. He says that any more legislation, it'll just slow down the claims and tie our hands. So no more legislation. That's what he says. And the DAB says that too. Yeah. Well, you're right. Is is that saying that everything's okay the way it is? Everything is not okay the way no, it is. No, that's just what he says. That's just what he well, says. They're, he want, they want it to stay that way. Well, sure they do. It's job security. 
Where else can you sit on your butt and drink coffee with your buddies all day and talk about fishing trip the weekend coming and uh, get a $10,000 bonus every year for screwing people over? That's what it sounds like. Now, most VA employees are good people. i got to be straight with you. But it just seems that there's enough bad apples to cause a lot of problems, including veterans dying. I agree with you. And I didn't mean that to label all VA employees as, as uh, no good. Uh, now remember, you leave one bad apple in the bag long enough, it ruins the rest of them too, guys. Well, yeah, yeah. They need to be able to get rid of the bad apples, and and uh, we need the other employees, VA employees, to jump in there and lend a hand. Just well, that's the legislation better. that we need, and that's what Tom Murphy is talking about. The first bill is H.R. 4261, and that bill would restore Gulf War research, okay? And then the other piece of legislation was H.R. 4031, and that would actually allow the secretary to uh, remove senior executives who who aren't doing their job. So actually, I think you know Congress is starting to, to step up to the plate on this. The question is, uh, will we get these bills passed this year? Um, you know, by the way, it's real easy now to look up a bill. You just type in the bill number like HR four two six one, and then it pops right up the Gulf War uh, Illness uh, Healthcare Reform Act. And then HR 4031, I just put it in my computer, and the, the name of the bill is Abracadabra. It's called to amend Title 38 United States Code to provide for the removal of senior executive service employees for the Department of Veterans Affairs for performance and other purposes. I don't know why they need a bill for that. I got well, it. it's never worked for anyone. No, you can be fired. Well, you know, all you have to do is look up some very famous cases of top VA officials that they tried to fire and they just couldn't. <laughs> well, they there was one of them, and I'm not going to discuss the merits of it. But if you all go to Google and type in Adair Martinez and Veterans I Affairs. You will see that after she was fired, was fired she, was she was reinstated. Paul, was she a doctor? No, she was the head of VBA's information technology okay. to create the new VA computers to process. Oh plans. yeah, I remember that fiasco. <laughs> see, that was five years ago. Yes, well, it seems like it was yesterday, Paul. But the judge reinstated her, made VA pay her all the back money. Really? Yep. Well, I hate to say this, but there's one person that can bypass all this stuff and get it done quickly. And POTUS can go ahead and issue an executive order and and do it right now without having to worry about any backlash. Uh, In light of the Phoenix veteran deaths, if the investigation shows that to be the case, I think you might be right. Yep. And pat him on the back for doing it. Yep, yep. Now, do you want to know how much? There was a report on how much that cost the government to have to reinstate Adair Martinez and pay back. I think it cost, uh, 
she got forty-one thousand um, dollars. I think that was in legal fees or something and wages. Oh my gosh! And then she got her um, her her payback for uh, for several years. So, yep. Um, she took a million or two out of them. Well, you know, it went on for about three, four years. Mm-hmm. And she was making at least 150. It says here, let's see, she was paid between 117,000 and 177,000 dollars, and this went on for like four years, four years. So the, so the minimum is maybe it costs the government a half a million dollars. Yeah, it depends on the scale too. And they just gave you the range of the scale. Looks like from her grade. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't uh, know what step uh, she was. <laughs> yep, yep, that's the way it works. Hey, did we run out of time, guys? It's past three. Oh, yeah, we're out of time here, uh, John. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think Stretch has got some extra time on the block today, don't you, Stretch? Yes, I do. Okay. Keep on. Thanks a lot for uh, Keep on going, Paul. Keep on going, Paul. Gerald's getting out of here, I guess, but we're seeing. Oh, okay. Go on, Paul. No, I'm good. I'm good, you guys. Um, I think y'all ought to have a special um, interview session with me and maybe somebody else about those Phoenix deaths, okay? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, uh, Paul. Um, I've got my own show, too, on, on Had It. And yeah. it's kind of a reality type show. It's called the Ask Basher Hour. I would love to have you on as a guest on our next show because I don't have anything scheduled. And sure, uh, we I'm can do it at your time Thursday. and your convenience. Thursday? Yes. How about, you give me a time. Your, let's, Gerald, go ahead and schedule huh? that, buddy. Okay. Send Thursday. me an email. All right, we'll send you. All right, guys. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye now. Okay, bye-bye. See you guys later. All right, we'll get that done. Uh, thank you, Stretch. Okay, we'll close. Close. Yeah,